Welcome to the show, Sports and Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max, Life to 65, iHeartRadio. You know what it is, Sports and Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max. One of the nicest in the game for sure. New Orleans, Louisiana zone. Joining me here on the show here tonight. We're representing for you, the Saints. Welcome to the show, man. Congratulations on the new album, the children's book. You got Uno out. David found a slingshot. Congratulations on all your success. Mission, vision, big things, man. Thank you, bro. It means a lot to me uh, to to you know to see that you are aware of everything I got going on and and supportive of it, bro. Um, I'm I'm definitely trying to change this world, improve this world as much as possible through my art. And you know, this is my tenth album that I just put out, and it's my first book that I just put out. And I'm also a college professor, you know, at Harvard. So, yeah, Harvard and at Tufts University, which is why wow. I'm repping the hoodie. So that. I'm up here in Boston. I'm on Harvard's campus right now, but uh, I just left Tufts earlier today. I had to do my thing at Tufts. So yeah, bro, it's a it's a it's a busy life, man. But life is temporary. So while I'm here, I want to maximize the impact that I can have. Yeah. Oh no, you definitely are having an impact in the game, and because you have such a long journey, underdog and outcast. I, I want to get into the album because you know my favorite is Shine On. That was the song that really spoke out to me. That. Uh, that song is crazy that's the one bro featuring the, the game. game bro that, that the, and, and the game he he gave me a he gave me a real verse like he ain't giving no no throwaway verse he, he he came from the heart on that mug so yeah shine on bro it's basically just saying you know i, I could still wear my crown in life even when my tears my tears falling yeah bro like that's how i feel man um Life, life is always throwing curveballs, bro. It's a true story. I can't make this up. My album came out September 8th, uh, debuted at number four on Apple uh, iTunes charts in the world, number four in, in hip hop. And a, a great, amazing debut, you know, people showing love, like playlisting the songs, like everybody showing love. The very next day, my grandpa passes away and dies. Oh, man. I didn't even know that. I know you were really close with him. You used to post on social media a lot about him. You were really close with him. My condolences, man. Yeah, bro. So uh, when you mentioned, thank you, first of all, thank you. And yeah. when you mentioned Shine On, I think that sometimes I got to listen to my own songs as therapy. You know, like a song like Shine On, I got to listen to that right now and remind myself, like, you know, even if you got tears in your eyes, you know, keep running towards your destiny and keep shining, you know. Yeah. Uh, the song was really touching and just I ain't got the answers, but I got a calling. You you kind of are in the moment and you're trying to figure everything out and you're thinking about, man, why isn't this going? Why isn't this popping off faster for me? Why isn't this blossoming as quick as possible? But I got a calling to do this, but I have all these answers of just asking the question, why? It's like that Joel Santana song, why? Mm. In a way, it's just uh, you talking crazy. about uh, Jada Kiss, Jada Kiss song. Why? Yeah, he's got he's got a Y, but Joel Santana's got a Y too. Yeah, oh, there's really? two Ys. I, yeah. Okay, I'm I'm a uh, I'm I'm a huge Jada Kiss fan. So when I hear the word Y, I instantly you think, think of Jada Kiss. Yeah, oh, that's that's a that's an iconic song. Yeah. yeah. Why did Kobe hit that raw? <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh. Hey, I, hey, and I like how he came back and say, um. Gotta tell them that it's the flow, son. And you know why they made the new 20s? Because I got all the old ones. You know? yeah. I'm like, yeah, I feel, that. I feel that. Classic, man. But you really, that, like I said, Shine On, that's the one right there for me, the anthem. And you're right, Game gave you that like documentary, Jesus Peace Game verse. And that's uh, that's song of the year, in my opinion, 100%. Just it hit me right away. And that's the rap I know that we've been missing from a lot of artists today. I know you're big about you know the artists that are portraying false images and spreading the negativity in their music. And, and rap doesn't have to be all about shooting people and all this stuff. You don't need that. We need messages like what you're doing. And, and it's still, it's, it comes off just as tough, if not more rough to me than if you're saying, pull, I'm going to pull the trigger and kill you. Exactly. And first of all, I want to go on record and, and, and capture this moment and document you have just called Shine On the song of the year. You heard Absolutely. Me? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, boom. Boom. Mike. You heard me? That's, that's powerful, but that means a lot. And, you know, vulnerability and authenticity is always more gangster than just some dude that's faking and talking about what he'll do you and how he'll shoot you and how he'll take your girl. Man, you be vulnerable and you be authentic. That's always going to be more gangster than, than this fake idea of what's, you know, what's real and what's street and all that stuff and hip hop, man. 
it's so much cap in rap nowadays that I don't even wear caps no more because it's so much cap in rap nowadays. I just wear bandanas. <laughs> Straight up. I used to wear caps all the time, but everybody be capping now. So I, I'm like, give me the bandanas, man. Exactly. And and that's probably the the Pac and the pick because you said it in the song, Pac and Nipsey in your chest. You can the spirits in your chest. You can feel them. So that's the Pac that's been an inspiration to you as well. And it's something that was touching on the, the song for Shine On as well. I, we're getting real deep in the to Shine On. It is my favorite record. Like I said, record of the year. DMX, you you cried when you heard that he died. I did, I did. That was uh that was my favorite personality in hip hop, in addition to being one of my favorite rappers growing up. But just his personality, his his passion, his authenticity always just stood out to me to where I was like, man, even if you're not perfect, if you can be honest about it and if you can be forthcoming about your struggles as well as your triumphs, you know, your, your, your trials and your triumphs, that's always going to resonate with me, even as a little boy growing up. So uh, I felt like DMX was a brother, a spiritual brother. And when I met him for the first time in New Orleans uh, backstage at a concert that he had, I got to tell him that. And DMX could have swore that we met before. Like he really thought he met me before. And I honestly feel like it's just because our spirits were connected. So, you know, kindred spirits are often going to feel familiar to one another. And he just swore that we had met in person before. And I was like, bro, I never met you in person, but uh, I do feel like we connected. And I prayed with him um, the first time I met him. And that's that's a memory I never, uh, never forget. I'm always going to cherish that, bro. Like I got to pray with DMX. So when he died the day before my birthday, and I had a six hour drive from New Orleans out to Atlanta. Um, I was definitely shedding tears and crying on that on that ride because I felt like he had so much more potential that he hadn't even been able to tap into yet because he was always struggling with that that demon of drug addiction. And man, it just it felt like a family member died. So my grandpa just died. And I think about the tears I shared with my grandpa dying and I'm like, sure, it felt the same way when DMX died in terms of uh, I felt pain and and I shed tears, you know, so that's real. Yeah. And, and you speak about the demons and just keep on going. And we, we really think about it. You've done that this far because I heard about it early on in your career, especially with Starlito, that you were going through a, a suicidal phase. And then when you started collabing with him, that's when you overcame everything with that. Yeah, when I met Starlito, I contemplated committing suicide that same day that I met Starlito. This was in 2014 in, in Nashville, Tennessee. And he had no idea. We just met at a studio, just two artists who knew one another from a distance. And we finally met in person. And literally earlier that day, I had contemplated uh, killing myself and taking my own life. Bro, I was really struggling in 2014 and 2015 uh, with being depressed, with uh, trying to please everybody with feeling like I was underachieving uh, in the music industry, but also underachieving uh, spiritually and and in my personal life. And it was just a tough season. So, um, you know, meeting meeting Starlito was was a blessing for me. Uh, and also just certain songs that I've done in my life, like that song I did with Lito, uh, Bad Combination, that song really... Uh, that song really helped. It was like free therapy for myself at the time. Like I hadn't started going to real therapy yet. So being in that studio and being able to like, like just, uh, just pull my heart out on the track, you know, that, that felt therapeutic for me. Your story is your glory. That's it relates to that in a way. And just because you were talking about it before, just not feeling in the place that you want to be. And that that's such a thing that's really unspoken about in this industry. And I think a lot of people do, even if you don't witness it. I think that's how a lot of rap beefs are start started up is because they're comparing themselves to others. And mm -hmm. that's something that we do daily as creatives. We're always comparing, you know, how come this one's getting further than me? I think once you're able to back away from that mindset, that's when you're fully at peace. Yes, sir. And Right now, I'm 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 thankful to say that I am at peace, and I've been at peace since I got through that 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 deep dark depression for about 18 months. So ever since 2015, when I was able to like shake that monkey off my back, bro, it's been up because I I was able to start to realize the uniqueness of my story and the fact that 
like, wow, like I'm, I'm amazing. And I'm literally in a lane of my own that only God could have created and carved out for me. So let me live in that authenticity and, and not compare myself because my story is not your story and it's not his story. It's not her story. So for me to put a song out, it was adamant. I was adamant that that song, Your Story Is Your Glory, had to be the last song on the album because I felt like it was the perfect way to close this book to this album that I call which is Underdogs and Outcasts. I feel like for people to hear that as the last song on the album, that it really brings completion to whatever their story is and for them to embrace, like, hey, I just listened to D1's whole album and what I'm walking away from it with is, wow, he just told me some of his story on this album and and that really brought me joy. But whatever my story is as a listener, my story is my glory and I got to embrace my story, tell my story and use my story to be a blessing to others. And you definitely are, man. You're a testament to that and just everything that you've accomplished. And just, you know, we could really go on this journey with you throughout your career and with this album, Underdogs and Outcasts. I did want to talk about that because with your stories, your glory, and we're always comparing ourselves. And, and you you teach at colleges, like you said, Harvard, and then you got Tufts right there, Tufts University. I, I, I speak with a lot of artists who do go to college. And I know you've taught a lot of hip-hop artists yourself, and you teach a hip-hop course. So I do have these conversations with them when they get out and they're struggling to make it and it could not even just in the hip-hop lane or artist lane it could be filmmakers anything but once they get that degree they feel as though that they should be working in some lane of their field even if it's as a starter position and it gets to the point and i've said it to an artist before because i felt the same way coming out of college uh, in a way i said now we have to get degrees to flip burgers at burger king do, do you think that in a way, because I, I know you work for, I'm not going to disrespect you at all, but I, I do want your opinion. But when people say that college is a scam, do you think it's a scam? When Because when you're flipping the burgers and you're working a regular nine to five right out of college and you're working there for years before you want to get to, do you think that's kind of like justifiable in a way for them to feel that way, that college is a scam? I think that if you graduate from college and then you literally find yourself flip, flipping burgers, I think that that just shows that you didn't uh, you didn't hustle while you were in college. You know, mm. you just thought that literally just this piece of paper, this degree was going to open all these doors. And if I ever like it's not like an automatic key card, you know, at a, at a hotel or at a room to where you just you scan that degree and all these doors open for you. It's like, no, bro, you have that degree and and you utilize that. But you got to physically open these doors yourself. So you got to network. You didn't network when you were in college at all if you uh, find yourself flipping burgers after you graduated. So that's what I would say. Um, The victim mentality is something that paralyzes and stunts our growth as people. So uh, I think about that and I speak about that often in my community, in the black community, because we were enslaved, you know, so we could we could. We could uh, hold on to the fact that we are victims of slavery forever, and we are always going to be victims of slavery, but we also have to turn that corner and say, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use the fact that I'm an underdog in this country, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that to be part of the chip on my shoulder. I'm going to manage that chip properly, and I'm going to make sure that I use that. I'm going to use that, that, that setback to be setting me up for being able to strive to heights that I could have never imagined. Um, that's what, that's what I teach people to do. So same thing with college. It's like, man, you better utilize the fact that you going to college now or that you went to college and you actually graduated. Cause a lot of people drop out. You better utilize that to your advantage and allow that to open certain doors for you. So people who just think that, they don't have to do anything, man. They they got another thing coming, bro. Like it's, yeah. it's you know, it's, it's tough. So to say college is a scam uh, altogether, uh, <laughs> it, it sounds like a little bit of a cop out for just being like, hey, I thought that when I graduated, I was just going to have 10 job offers all, you know, just in my inbox. my Like my email inbox is supposed to just be flooded with job offers the day I graduated. It, it don't work like that, partner. No. 
And you can see that you really hustled your way through because you went to LSU, graduated, but you have such a story behind that because that was really because I think your mother was the one that told you this is how you're going to get out of poverty, go going to college. And I think you were getting into engineering. And and then after you had some circumstances, I think it was where a, a kid held a gun to your to your head in a playground and was one one out of the three people thought that you were lying and someone yelled they gasped a, a white girl gasped and yeah it, he, it, they, it wasn't it wasn't a kid it was grown men grown and, men and and they were they were trying to they were trying to get stripes with with one of their homeboys who somebody had broken into their homeboy's car and they were going around thinking they were going to find who broke into their homeboy's car and they were going to rob them or shoot them. And then that would earn them some stripes with their homeboy. Their homeboy is somebody that's like, that was like really well known. A big famous person, I heard. Yeah, famous yeah. person. So with that being said, um, you know, I experienced this getting uh, robbed and held up at gunpoint while I was in college. And I thought I was going to die that day. And the fact that I made it out, like you said, there was a young lady walking she lived on the second floor and she was walking to her apartment and she looked down on the bas- at the basketball court and saw what was going on with us. And she like, <gasps> you know, gasped real loud and it caught their attention. So they looked up and they kind of got spooked out. So they, you know, they, they, they ran off after that and they didn't end up uh, pulling the trigger, thankfully. And because of that, uh, it did, it did make me look at life a lot differently because I was like, yo, I don't know if I'm going to live to be a hundred years old, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like, I really don't know. I, I didn't know that while I was playing basketball, three dudes would run up on the basketball court, pull a gun out and and all this would transpire. So the, the I don't know factor of, about life is what made me say, man, what I do know is what I can control while I'm down here is going to be that I want to make impact, real tangible impact in this world. So how am I going to make that impact on people's lives? And for me, it was to become a teacher. So that's what I did when I first graduated. I became a teacher because I every day in that classroom, I was able to make real impact on the lives of those students. And then after being a teacher, that real impact came by being a rapper. And you could be a rapper and make negative impact. Or you could make positive, progressive impact, you know, and I just knew that the type of impact that I made was going to be one where I put impact over income, you know what I mean? And I was like, if I, if I, if I approach this rap game, like, yo, I want to, I want to, like, I might not have the most fans, but the people who rock with me, they're going to be like, man, D1's music, bro, that music has literally helped me level up and that music has helped me stay alive and thrive not just survive you know and i was like that'll be that'll be dope if i could be that guy and here we are years later um i'm still on that same mission and and i have surpassed every goal that i set for myself in the rap game like surpassed it numbers wise accomplishment wise but even impact wise the type of impact i'm able to make now bro the music is the catalyst. The music is what got people like you, like, yo, D1 got the new album, Uno. But then when people get to hear my heart and they see that it's a lifestyle, like, man, D1 is at Harvard right now. D1 just left a meeting two rooms over from here. He's in there talking to students. D1 was just talking to brothers at Tufts today who were locked up, like inmates uh, who were in prison up here in Boston. And now they're going to college and D1 is inspiring them. Like, oh, all this, he do all this in addition to making dope music? That's that's the type of impact that I'm like, yep, that that leaves an impression on people that lets them know this is more than music. You know what I'm saying? This is a this is mission vision. Oh, it is. And with mission vision, because I want to get into it because I heard you turning the deals down with cash money and the stories of Slim flying you out to Miami and telling you you loved your authenticity and the whole J50 and Wheezy thing and you being on Wayne's tour bus. But it was because he had two tour buses, but you're on the one with Gutta Gutta and Mac Main. It's just a crazy ride that you've been on throughout your whole life. And speaking of with David found a slingshot going back to school because Audubon Monastery, this is where you attended. Yeah. Yeah, with the children's book and just your personal experience of bullying, do you feel as though you 
in order for you to make this book, do you feel as though you still have like PTSD? Because obviously it has some sort of effect because I'm someone that was bullied when I was younger and I think I have PTSD from it, to be honest with you still. Do you feel as though that you had to like overcome some demons to address it in the new children's book? Bro, it's, I wanted to write this book about six years ago. That's when I first had the thought to write this book. But I realized that that getting bullied had a real profound impact on me, man. Like I can still remember it like a, like, like I got, like it was yesterday. Yeah, bro. Like it, like it was yesterday. I can still remember it to this day. And dude, I was in kindergarten when this was happening, but I can still remember it to this day. So it has had a profound impact on me. And one of the best parts is that when you overcome something that, 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 caused you pain and paralyzed you for a long time when you truly overcome it you now become an expert on that same topic or that same issue that held you down and caused you so much pain so now i'm an expert on on getting over bullying because not only did i go through it but i overcame it um me and the guy who used to bully me we didn't become apps. We became best friends. I you did know, hear about that. Yeah. All, all, all these years later. And now I've been able to tell my story in the form of a book. So that same PTSD that I had from back then helped me to write a book in such detail to where this book is being a blessing to kids all over this country at this point, man. Like I'm getting so many testimonials from people who absolutely love the book and parents who are saying, I, I love reading this book to my kids and just, it, it's amazing, bro. So yeah, your story is your glory. And David found his slingshot. That's a big part of uh, my story. So I'm glad I, I wrote it in the form of a book. Yep. And, and that's also in a way how you found your name because you took the D from David and then you felt like you were the one. And then it just yep. all clicked right there for D1. D1, there you go. So that's that's where that that's where that name came from. I remember sitting in uh, in college at LSU and sitting in my my partner's uh, apartment on campus, and we were sitting down talking about like, yo, what should my rap name be? And I narrowed it down to two choices. I used to go by DZ. DZ was my first rap name because I was just trying to be like like Weezy, like Lil Wayne at the time, right? But uh, I I said, I'm not going to be DZ anymore. It's either going to be King David, because my real name is David. So either King David or D1. And we were going back and forth. And they had, one, two, three. it was five of us in the room and we took a vote on it. My vote was King David. I, I wanted King David at the time, but three of my homies, uh, two of them said D1, me and one other one said King David. And the fifth one was my boy named Harry. And Harry thought about it and he said, man, you D1. He said, because you 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 the one. He was like, so you D1. So I was like, oh, I was like, I like that. I like that. So he was like, yeah, you D1. So there it is. Three to two, the 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 majority rule. Unbelievable. That, that's insane. Just hearing how it came together, got that in college. And you know, you went through a lot because just with your family, who would you say was like the because I heard about we have a horror movie coming out soon. Apparently, your mother was called the exorcist by some friends that you got that coming out next month. We got Halloween on the way. <laughs> so who was, who was the, cause you, you had a, your father's the same way. I believe they, he camped out for you to get into Audubon with monastery. He, he camped out to get you into that school. So who you think it was both of them that led you on this, what this path that you're on now, because you were always just so strict and you, you they, they built a King. They, they raised a King. They did. They did, man. It was my it was my mama, my daddy, my grandma and my grandpa. It was those four right there. Uh, I was surrounded by so much love that I never felt like we didn't have a lot of money, even though we didn't have a lot of money. I never felt that way. And I never felt like I was incapable of. Achieving anything that I wanted to, because my family really instilled in me that I was a king and. I've been a king my whole life. I was I was the king uh, at my preschool when we had a um, we had a you know in New Orleans we got parades we got Mardi Gras and we had parades and I got voted to be the king in preschool. I got voted to be the homecoming king in high school. Um, wow! And 
And and I just always, everywhere I've gone, I've always felt like a king, you know. And the only people that try to make me not feel like that are people who feel threatened by, you know, by my by my anointing and by the fact that uh I really have a light about me that shines really bright. And people who feel threatened, they'll try to, you know, they'll try to knock me down and they have in life. And sometimes that looks like bullies. Sometimes that looks like teachers uh who who just don't have love for me. You know, my fourth grade teacher told me I wasn't smart enough to be the president. You know, I wanted to be the president of the United States, bro. Uh, real talk, and I and I really think that I could have done it if I if I had stayed on that path. Um, I might could still do it honestly if I wanted to, but uh, yeah, man, I had people like that who stand out in my mind because they they literally the devil has used different people at, at times to try to come in and attack my self esteem and attack my 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 self confidence. So uh, it's a full time job to to keep loving yourself in this world that's constantly trying to tear you down. So I really shower people with love, especially young people. I try to shower them with love because I know that it only takes a few people, bro. It's probably less than five people in my life that I could think of that really tried to like, like tear my, my self-esteem down and they did a good job at it. They did a good job at it. So it don't take many, bro. So that's why we need people who can constantly keep pouring into you because um, just like people will be telling me negative stuff about myself and calling me, you know, calling me a coward or calling me lame or, or calling me um, just not good enough, not talented enough, too too regular, you know, not smart enough. Just like I could hear that stuff, I could still hear my grandma's voice saying, you a king, baby, and and anything you set your mind to, you can do it. And I can still remember different teachers pouring into me and and affirming me you know so these two forces are constantly at war in life like you got you got good and you got evil you got god and you got the devil you know what i mean like it's real it's a spiritual war down here so we exist in the physical realm but honestly it's 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 a spiritual war down here and that's the realm that i'm super aware of and that's what you're you're fighting it's the spiritual war yeah. Oh, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I don't hate I don't hate human beings, man. I hate the evil spirit that's working through these human beings. You know what I mean? Like the human being themselves, they're not inherently evil. We are all God's children, but it's the evil spirit that's working through them at the time that I'm like, okay, I don't like that. And and I'm 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 fighting, but I'm not fighting against you as a person. I'm fighting against that spirit that's working through you. You feel me? Yeah. No, I, I I could tell that you really because in my own way, just to add some input on what I go through, especially with dealing with people. There's a lot of people I've helped out, and they just have turned their backs on me for no reason. Artists that, it, you know, I've I've really helped out with their records and, and being on the show and stuff, but they'll turn on you for no reason, and it's like where they always hide in this hidden envy. So you, it, it's definitely spiritually. It's there's something spiritually going on here that's off kilter. There you go. And if a person if a person was healthy and whole spiritually and internally they wouldn't turn on you like that because they would always view you for the light that you have exuded towards them and that just lets you know bro you didn't do anything wrong if you have peace in your heart about knowing that you have have helped people and have blessed people if they turn their back on you it's something that they're going through man they, they say hurt people hurt people mm. that's a bar right there no that's tough i've heard that before but that's a bar right there for sure i mean I mean, even just what you walk in to high school, because it taught you a lot just about life and just like there's there's more than the hood because million dollar homes that you were just walking past on your way to school. And that's what made you think like, yeah, there's something bigger here than just being back in the hood. Yeah, I had I had I had the best of both worlds. I grew up in the hood, but then every day this was elementary and middle school when I was going to Audubon, Audubon, Montessori, I would have to get off the streetcar in New Orleans and walk about six blocks to school and on that six block walk bro we were walking past multi-million dollar houses on saint charles avenue in new orleans and on broadway avenue and this is what real monetary wealth looks like so i'm seeing this every day and i'm going to school with some students 
whose parents are this wealthy, like they they live in some of these houses. But when I'm in school, I'm like, man, I'm smarter than these people. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm making better grades than these people. So it's letting me know that your financial situation doesn't have to determine your mental and your intellectual capacity and ability. You know, there's no there's no limit and no cap and no ceiling on what I can achieve mentally and intellectually because just because of my financial state. So that was great, bro. I learned that by the time I was in middle school, like to be a middle schooler and to to know that and embrace that, that really empowered me, man, moving forward in life. And, and it's helped me to relate to everybody. Like I got a worldview that's crazy because I could, I, I could relate from being in the hood and I could relate from being at Harvard, you know? So from the hood to Harvard, like D1 and lived a heck of a life, you feel me? Oh, you definitely did, man. And you're someone that could just blend in with two different crowds. And I did want to talk to you about this because you did lose one of your close friends by the age of 25. And then one, the other one was ended up serving like a 20 year sentence. I heard, what is it about the year 25? Because, you know, I'll speak from my experiences, just like with bullying and everything, because I grew up in a black neighborhood and people always would be like, oh, you're from the hood. And that's where my bullying came from when I went to high school, because I went to with this Catholic school with all white kids and they used to call me wigger and all this crazy stuff. That was what I went through as far as my bullying. But when I had the chance to interview G Herbo, he named his album. 25 and that was based off of him you we don't usually survive till we're 25 what is it about the year significance the life expectancy that it stops at 25 i have no idea i I just been hearing that since i was a little boy that by the time y'all are 25 one out of every three of y'all is either going to be dead or in jail and i heard that I don't know who made that number up. I don't know if that statistic was ever true or not, but I know that I had six friends growing up. It was a clique of six of us. And by the time we were 25, one was dead and one is serving 20 years behind bars in jail. So I was like, man, that statistic became true, you know? And that's 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 tough, bro. That's tough right there. So um, here's the statistic that I'm passionate about. They don't ever guarantee that like, hey, one out of every three of y'all is going to end up dead or in jail by 25, but the other two is going to be doing really well in life. They don't guarantee that. You could just be still barely making it and barely surviving in life, but just because you're not dead or in jail, you're not a statistic. But I'm passionate about people not just surviving, but people thriving in life. So those other two people who, the thing about statistics is they don't, they don't, man, this is a revelation I'm having right now. Statistics don't always tell the whole story because although I had six friends and by the age of 25, uh, they said one out of every three of us was going to be dead or in jail. One was dead and one was in jail serving 20 years by the age of 25. That's true. But what they didn't account for is the fact that the one who died his life doesn't end there because he has descendants. He has nephews. Now I am an uncle to his nephews. I came in and I'm like, hey, I'm going to be in y'all life now. And I want to help to allow you to live past 25 and to be your best self. The statistic doesn't account for the fact that although he may be in the graveyard, his life is not fully done yet because there's a continuance of his descendants. My boy that's in jail right now, they don't account for the fact that while he's in jail, he can still be bettering himself spiritually and mentally and be doing so much to be a blessing to the other people that are in jail. They don't account for that. They just look at it like you're a statistic. So you're just a number and this is where you are. But once again, your, your situation doesn't have to be your final destination. And people need to know that, bro. Mm -hmm. Your situation does not have to be your final destination. So at the age of 25, I was a local rapper. But at this point, I am far from a local rapper. You know what I mean? Uh, my situation at 25 didn't have to be my final destination. And people need to know that. No, 
It didn't. I mean, you accomplished so much graduating college with a degree in business, with the business acumen. And I think you had a, a strategic place, especially on the marketing end, too, with your degree. It was, it's stressed in that area as well. So you that was you my definitely, major. Yeah. yeah, I was a business major and, and, and my concentration was marketing. So I, I was blessed that everything I went to school for. I am actually getting to use it. I'm using my degree and the skills that I learned about how to market a product. Guess who the product is now? It's you. me. I'm the product. And I'm having to market myself as an independent artist. And I have been for many years. So thankfully, I'm using my degree. And if I had to pay more attention in college, uh, I probably would be doing even better right now because honestly, my last two years in college I was just on cruise control just just trying to trying to trying to get out I wasn't really applying myself the most I had I just had other things going on in life and um you know I did well I did well but it's a difference between doing well and maxing out and I didn't max out you know the best that I could have done so um so that's just a, a lesson to everybody out there it's like life Life is a lot more, it's a lot more fulfilling when you know that you maxed out, you mm. know? And so that's what I'm doing in this rap game. And that's what I'm doing with everything that I do now is I'm, 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 I'm maxing out, you know, I'm, you're getting max effort from me. You either going to get max effort or I'm just not even going to try it at all. Yeah, no. And, and you made it through, you went through some rough things. And we mentioned the experience earlier with, you know, having a gun at your head, but just hearing about you getting kicked off the LSU basketball team and your girlfriend cheating on, an ex-girlfriend cheating on you with the fourth string football player. And he, you know, he's nowhere to be found. He stinks. And then when you just think about everything else that was going on, or I think your roommate started selling dope. Yeah. Unbelievable. Here's a question I do have for you. And people were like, oh, Max is really getting into this. Because Sally Maybach, you know, you, you did the song there with the Kanye instrumental back in the day. Should you go back to a girl who wants you back that cheated on you? What are your thoughts? I don't think you should, because I think that when a woman cheats on you, I think that she has gone through so many levels in her head of thinking through it and of really... uh like making a firm decision, like, hey, I want this other guy. You know, I, I don't want you. Like, I really want this other guy. And I think at that point, uh, there's no coming back in terms of getting her heart. You know, um, women really um, act, you know, with with their hearts, like at the forefront of what they do, man. A lot of times with men, it, uh, you know, they'll say we just we just think with our body parts and we don't have emotions tied to our actions a lot of times i like to think that a lot of women do uh nowadays i don't know i think it's different with women nowadays because you got the tiktok it's toxic yeah you got the sexy reds of the world oh god and you got just the ice spice yeah the ice spices the cardi b's and you know just everybody else that's really um they're calling it sexual liberation for women but what they're actually doing is just uh, teaching a whole generation of young ladies to devalue themselves and and to uh, and to really just take part in a lot of um, just a lot of activity that is gonna that, that that's gonna that's gonna harm them in the long run. Like uh, you're gonna have a lot of emotionally broken women and confused women uh, out here who were just doing what what they thought their favorite rapper, you know, taught them to do so that they could be powerful. But all these women who talk in this talk behind the scenes, they just want, they want to be happy with one dude, you know, uh, Cardi B is, is a married woman, y'all don't get it twisted. So don't listen to what she's telling y'all Meg the stallion. I don't know if she's still with her dude, but for the past few years, she been wifed up with one dude, you know what I mean? So you listen to Beyonce, Beyonce has been married for Buku years at this point and it's like so all that independent women talk and all of that you know to the left to the left uh that's cap (laughs) (laughs) yeah because i know people always categorize you as this christian rapper and when you listen to your music you're just someone that just raps about what's real you just basically call something how it is and you rap about your life 
Yeah, bro. Uh, I think if people, people who listen to my music, I think they'll form their own opinion of what what I do. And if they can even put it in a box, you know, they'll they'll form their own opinion. Usually the people who are just quick to want to like label what I do and they'll say, okay, well, he talk about God and he's not shy about that. Um, we'll, yeah, we just gonna label him as a Christian rapper. Nine out of ten of those people haven't really listened to my music and and don't know too much of my music. They just heard a song or two and they just wanted to hurry up and be able to put me in a category or a box, you know. So I don't really care what people call me because I know that, bro, I'm I'm so unique. You know, I, I know that I'm so unique, bro, that uh I smile, you know, and thinking about it. And my uniqueness and my authenticity is what's gonna continue to open unique doors for me. Yeah. And that's the thing. They they hated like what Davey says, they hated Jesus, they hated Malcolm, they hated Martin. Do you feel as though when you came out with the 50J and Wheezy with you weren't dissing them, you were just keeping a reel on just how you felt and what really was going on. Do you feel as though that made it difficult for you in the industry and getting further along, especially because there's this thing blackballed and blackballed by association? Do you feel as though there was something going on there at times with that? Uh, um I would say uh do I think that the J? My bad. I was uh writing something. Do, do I uh? It's all have, good. Do I think that uh, I got blackballed by like association, not like a hundred percently? Because I know you're cool with a lot of artists. You've done a lot with the artists in this industry. I mean, we we can go over countless. I know you're cool. Loopy fiasco stuff, stuff. Manny Fresh, Fat Joe. Let's go juvenile. Do you feel as though there's been certain times where you felt like? were blackballed by association based off of just how you carry yourself as a real true person and you just speaking on what's real? No, I don't think that I've ever been blackballed in this industry. Wow. I don't. I don't. I think that uh I think that people gravitate towards me, man, because they feel comfortable around real. me. Because they know that I'm not trying to clout chase just to fit in with any of them. But they also know like, man, that dude with D1, he just wants to see us all be the best version of ourselves. You know, so he doesn't mind holding us accountable for our words and our actions inside of hip hop. But at the end of the day, that's just a dude on a mission from God trying to fulfill his his purpose on this earth. And real ones going to relate to that, man. So even artists who aren't where I'm at spiritually or, or mentally, they still could relate to me because they could feel that I love them genuinely. You know, if I call an artist out. It's just because I know they could do better than what they're doing mm. and they, they, they could be a better version of themselves. and. And that tough love doesn't come across as being a hater or something. No. And you had your time with RCA Records. And I think what really clicked for you was when you were independent and you were getting on these top 20s with MTV jams, the BET awards and all that stuff. You realized that it was your talent. It wasn't because you were signed to a label. It was you. And then that's when Mission, Mission Vision started. You created that sort of pushing your own brand forward. Yeah, exactly. I remember who who was it? One of my friends, an artist, called me and was like, "Bro, like, how did, like, how did the label get you on, on uh the real? I was on the real the daytime. Yeah, you chose them over Wendy Williams. Yeah, and he was like, "How did the label get you on the real, bro?" And I said, "That wasn't the label, man. That was me directly. Like, the label had nothing to do with that. They were like, "Well, how'd you get on ESPN?" I was like. That wasn't the label. That was me directly. They were like, well, how'd you get on this tour? I was like, that wasn't the label. That was me directly. And after I said that three times, that third time was the charm. And I was just like, man, all of these blessings are not coming from the label. If anything, my burdens are coming from the label because the label is telling me, no, we don't like Sally Maybach. We don't want to push that song. That song is not dope. We, we, we're not putting that out. Okay. The label is telling me, Yo, your album Slingshot David. No, you got to go back in and redo the whole album. We don't like the album. Um, the label is sitting here. Uh, although I'm signed to them, I'm still paying for a lot of expenses out of my pocket, you know, uh, music videos and things of that nature. And I'm just like, dang, the label is a source of my burdens. But um, but when I go directly to the people and when I keep God first, that's where all my blessings are coming from. So I was like, technically, I could do this without a label. And that's when I had the revelation is when my, my homie called me 
and was asking, how you doing this? How you got on this? How you doing that? And I was like, none of that had to do with the label. You know what I mean? It was all you, and and you're someone that just have speak spoken about about it before. Just like with all the jewelry, you don't need all that stuff, and you, you drive the Honda Accord. I heard about that, and just you just being real with yourself. And it's sad when you hear like Audrey came out and came out against Diddy recently. I saw that going around on Twitter about their artists. That apparently Diddy's artists are Ubering to make their living now. I've heard that. That's what she said, which is crazy. The, the fame isn't worth it anymore. I think it's all about if you can provide for yourself and live a healthy lifestyle, that's what it's going to come to. The interesting part though, uh, Max is that fame is a drug nowadays. So you have so many artists who are addicted to being famous because that dopamine that comes from seeing, wow, I just got uh, a comment on Instagram. Wow. I just got another follower and I just got more views on TikTok. That, that dopamine has, has superseded artists even caring about making money as much nowadays. So you got a generation of artists who would rather have 100,000 followers before they have $100,000 in the bank. And that's an epidemic and that's scary, you know? So That is scary. Yeah, because you know why it's scary? Because they just want aimless fame. They just want to be famous just to say that they're famous, you know? I've enjoyed being a public figure because I see the power that I can use my platform for. My platform is meant so that I could be significant in the lives of my fans and my followers. But if you just want to be fame, fame if you want to have fame with no aim, then that's lame. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> another bar. That's no, that's bar. true. If you just want the fame with no aim, that's lame. And I need you to know that. Oh, we got to you got to come out with a song saying that now you got to have that. Yeah, we got to yeah. get that quoted in there, man. Oh, cats want to be famous and broke. You got a bunch of people out here that's famous and broke. Like, yeah, imagine you getting into Uber and Jada kisses your driver. Unbelievable. That's crazy, man. Yeah, I know you would love that. <laughs> oh, I, I would love that. I, I'd be like, hey, we're going straight to your catalog. Put on up. I'll be buying your side. Yeah. <laughs> why um put yeah man like that's a that now that all jokes aside though it's it's also a byproduct of there being so many rappers nowadays so there's so many rappers that a lot of people who 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 are rapping they could care less about the art form like they literally see rap as a hustle it's a means to an end you know it's just a way to pop off real quick some people's whole goal is to just go viral so they can have that moment to where they feel like w- what it feels like to be like, dang, everybody, I'm trending right now. And, you know, people people rather be uh, trending than be wealthy. They'd rather be trending than being, um, than being influential in the lives of their audience. They just, they just want that. It's like dope fiends, man. It's like dope yeah. fiends for the dopamine you know like literally like you got dope fiends for the dopamine because they just want that that rush off of like ah i feel it i'm trending right now like ah i'm getting oh yeah it's scary it is scary do you see eventually artists going on strike similar to what the actors and writers are doing now because when you hear audrey and other people they're not getting paid with their worth they're signing these bad publishing they're not making enough money off streams do you see eventually that artists could strike from their labels uh no i don't think artists will strike from their labels because i don't think artists are unified enough to Mm. all have a, a collective goal in mind that people are willing to really uh, stick to no I, I don't I don't think that way I, so as artists this is a very um uh this is a very selfish profession to where you see that there's not a there's not collective unity or a collective mission that everyone is is on and with that being said I'm not even trying to change everybody from being how they are I'm just trying to have mission vision so I can identify what people are on and then knowing how to navigate, you know, my path in this game based on how I see other people are. So there's some artists who I have distanced myself from on purpose just because I see that for them, like, oh yeah, you, you just all about your bottom line by any means necessary. You will snake anybody. You will, in the name of God, in the name of, uh, 
in the name of, oh, we brothers and all this stuff. You will say whatever you got to say in order to protect your brand and your bottom line. But that that genuine love is not there for, for, for me. So once I know that, it's like, cool, I see that. Now I'm just going to circumvent you so I ain't got nothing to do with you. Um, and and you could, you know, you can live how you're going to live because you're going to have to uh, answer for all of that one day. And that's how I've chosen to do it. Uh, my my mission is not to change all of these artists. My mission is to inspire artists so that they can become a better version of themselves because change truly comes from uh, an internal desire to want to be better. So I can't change these artists, but maybe I could inspire them to want to change. I hope so. And then we could see the impact that you have already and just, you know, in the classroom and outside of the classroom. I know you're close with Lupe. You also had a, a very close relationship with Mac Miller. You used to write each other. And I, I heard, I think you met each other. I think you were doing some visitation at a prison. I think I heard about this. Oh, okay. So that's not Mac Miller. That's my man, Mac. Uh, okay. It's Mac. Mac. Yeah. He's from New Orleans. Oh, that's my brother right there. Okay. Yeah. That's my brother. So he was locked up and I met him when I first graduated from college and he was in prison. And when I first met him, I felt like I was looking at an older version of myself and he was in prison for a crime he didn't commit. And I was like, I was like man, if life dealt me a bad hand, I could end up right here where he is. And with that being said, I felt a calling to do everything in my power to help him get out of prison uh, um, before, you know, before he had to serve all that time. He was sentenced to 30 years in jail, you know, for a crime he didn't commit. And so I was able to walk with him uh, through that time. And yeah, he was able to he was able to get out about nine or 10 years before he was scheduled to get out. So that's a blessing, man. And yeah, yeah, I I, um, and we still like brothers to this day. No, that's amazing, man. And, and, you know, that's great that it's unfortunate that he did have to serve time, unfortunately, but it's great that he was able to get out, you know, before he had to serve the whole thing. That would have been that's too much, man. But, you know, I mentioned Lupe before. Have you brought some hip hop artists to for in, for some special guest speakers into some of your courses at Harvard? Right. So this year I will be doing that uh, at Tufts because I have my I have my course that I specifically designed for that purpose. Uh, my course is the power of hip hop as an agent for social change. Mm. So there's so many artists who truly understand how we can use hip hop because they, they use hip hop to really bring about actual change on the ground every day. They want their music, they want their influence, they want their brand to be something that can help influence change in this world for the better. So I have so many friends that I'll be able to um, tap into people. Lupe had me come and speak to his class at MIT uh, last year. So that was a blessing to be able to speak to my brother's class and and really, um, really inspire the students over there. And for me, I have I have such a great network of of artists who are doing great things that I want to figure out how I can incorporate them onto my platform, whether that's in my class or whether that's just on my platform for some real powerful talks um, even more. Like I've had some great Instagram live conversations with people who you might not even expect. Like one of them is Ja Rule. Um, I consider Ja Rule a friend of mine and he really supports me. And we have had some IG live conversations in front of, you know, a, a wide audience to where it's just really been powerful to uh, to show me that, you know, his heart is really like with the people. Like he really wants to do good in this world. And and he's not a person who justifies everything he's done in the past. Sometimes he has things that he's been a part of in the past that he's like, nah, that ain't that ain't what's up. You know, I love that when he was on drink champs with Irv Gotti, mm-hmm. I love that he kind of had to respectfully check Irv Gotti and be like, hey man, you can't be referring to these women you know, as the B word and calling them out their name, like, like this, bro. Like we know these women, number one, that you talking about like this. Yeah. Shanti. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You can't just be doing that. I love that, man. Because a lot of times when we get around other male macho energy, uh, a lot of men will allow for some behavior to be permitted. 
that is really disrespectful and really um really low down you know so i respect that jai knows how to navigate those spaces you know so he's a he's a person um macklemore that's another one i went on tour with macklemore i heard about that yeah and that's a that's a, that's a dude that i consider a friend of mine uh that i i would love to incorporate into um into what i got going on you know uh in terms of my class so yeah there's multiple people you know, this is going to be big time, man. And, and and just to hear about everything, you know, that you've built with within the classroom and just there, how you are right now and how you are on at performances and in your music, you're that same way in the classroom. The fact that Harvard, because we think of Harvard, you think Harvard, oh my, you know, it's this prestigious school. And, and the fact that they're, they allow you to be you and, and have your own hip hop course, that's big time. Yeah, bro. Um, yeah. Like, like I said, uh, with Harvard, um, I'm a fellow at Harvard University and being a fellow has allowed me to come on campus and work on a bunch of hip hop projects. So that children's book that I wrote, David Found His Slingshot, I wrote that here at Harvard. Um, wow. uh, I have an album that's coming out later this year called From the Hood to Harvard. And I did that in my office uh, here at Harvard. I recorded the whole album um, From the Hood to Harvard right here. And then I also have a documentary that's coming out as well with the album. So the, those are just some of the things in addition to teaching in a bunch of classes across campus. Um, the cool thing about what I'm doing at Tufts University this year is like having my own course and being a professor, you know, so I am uh, I'm Professor D1 or Professor Uno, whatever you want to call me. And it's great because once again, I have a, a blank canvas to be able to do whatever I want to on, on Tufts campus. And it's all going to be hip hop related. That's the beautiful part is everything from concerts that I'm going to throw to uh, events for the students. Be hip hop related. And I know that I have a, a unique ability to, make people feel comfortable in their own skin. And when you feel comfortable in your own skin, you also feel comfortable using your gifts, you know, that you might otherwise be shy to use or, or be reluctant to want to use. When you feel comfortable in your skin, you're like, man, I want to use these gifts. Like, yeah. So that's what I plan on doing. Because when you start using your gifts, that becomes addictive. And that feeling becomes something that you're like, I never want to let this feeling go, man. Like I'm using my gift for... Uh, a purpose that is going to make this world better like people love that feeling so I want to give people that experience and that opportunity because when I was in college that's when I started using my gifts um I had a professor named Dr. Leonard Moore and he was my black history professor but he also provided me with an opportunity to perform on campus for the first time and the first time I got to do a big performance on campus it was in front of Tupac's mom, Miss Afeni Shakur. Wow. And she came to campus. And for me to get to open up for her, out of all the artists on campus, for me to have the opportunity to open up for her, that was that was life-changing for me. Because you know what she told me? When I got off stage, she walked up to me and said, she said, young man, she said, your passion on that microphone reminds me of my son when he would rap on the microphone. And when she told me that, I'm like, wait, you just compared me to Tupac? I'm like, yo, I'm doing this forever, <laughs> forever, 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 forever. And can't nobody tell me nothing. You heard me? Tupac mama just said, I remind her of him. I was like, say less. I'm doing this until God tell me otherwise. I'm rapping. That's a sign right there. You know, that because that she, to me, Tupac's the greatest to ever do it. Just the message. He's the image of hip hop, just what he stood for. And you look at the streams, he outbeats everyone to this day. And he's been gone for so many years now. And just the messages with Dear Mama, Brenda's got a baby, changes. Yeah, it does remind me of what you do. Because, yeah, Tupac had his, you know, death row era where he was, you know, thug life and everything. We know that. But when we think of Tupac, we think of more the dear mama, the changes, the message, and that he was just this big revolutionary rapper, which he, that's what he is. Absolutely. Definitely a revolutionary rapper. So I'm, um, I'm definitely a descendant of Tupac's spirit and of Tupac's passion for, for utilizing hip hop uh, to make change. And 
The only difference is while I'm a descendant of Tupac, I'm also firmly connected to my heavenly father, which is God. So I'm not letting the streets or the 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 noise from my fans and from you know my audience, I'm not letting that speak to me more than I'm, you know, staying connected to what God is speaking to me and through me. So that combination. That's a, that's a fire combination, but I got that rawness and that authenticity. You heard me that come from like a pop, but I got that vision that come from God. Mm. No, that's real. And you could hear a man all throughout your, your music, a hundred percent, just everything that you stand for born to pay bills. Yeah. You, you're a testament to that. You don't have to be, you don't have to be born to pay bills. You could find your way and you found your, you find your calling. You ain't got the answers, but I got a calling. There you go, bro. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Oh, man. Right, bro. That's um, everything you're saying. I agree with it. Yeah. D1, man. I want to thank you for coming on the show here tonight, man. It was an amazing conversation. Thank you for your time and everything that you do for hip hop and just for the community and the world, because you're really making a difference. A hundred percent. Is there anything else you would like to add here that we didn't discuss about your life story anything else on the way with mission vision you, i mean you're a professor here so you got everything going on with the courses anything else man that you want to touch on man first of all i want to applaud you for doing a great interview i do a lot of interviews and people don't always do their research in a thorough way like what you did um i don't always feel like people are uh a fan of mine when they're doing the interview they'll just see that i got uh, a large following so they'll want to just do an interview with me because I'm 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 popping or whatever. I can tell that you genuinely take an interest in my music and in my mission. So thank you for that. Uh, outside of that, um, the the new album Uno is out everywhere on all platforms. Everybody need to be streaming that. Everybody need to be not only streaming it but sharing it. You know what I mean? You got to stream it and then you got to share it with some other people and put them on. It's my tenth album, so. This is like a milestone album for me. And if God says the same, I got plenty more albums on the way. But right now, that Uno is all about Uno. Um, And the children's book, David Found His Slingshot, is available at my website, my same website where you get my merch and everything at, which is missionvisionlifestyle.com. So make sure everybody knows that I'm 100% independent, even with the book. So go to missionvisionlifestyle.com dot com and you can get my children's book i guarantee you this book is going to change the way an entire generation views themselves and views their peers and loves one another so tap into my uh my my children's book yes please tap into it are you doing any signings with the book are you doing any yeah i did uh, i I already did a book signing in los angeles last week and in um cleveland ohio last week so coming up We'll be doing book signings in New Orleans, in Atlanta, in New York. Um, uh, there's some other cities I'm forgetting, Boston, and and we're just gonna keep adding more and more cities. So absolutely, where you based at, bro? I'm in. I, I went to school at St. John's in Queens, so based in the New York area. I live in Connecticut. I do my show out of Connecticut, so I'm in the tri-state area. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, what Jada Kiss said about Fifty Cent, he said. Uh, how you the king of New York and you live in Connecticut. Yeah. <laughs> if me and you ever start beefing, I'm going to use that line on you. No, we're not going to beef, man. I, I, yeah. how, you king of New, how you the king of New York uh, and you live in Connecticut, man? I'm just playing with you. Uh, and, and speaking of the, the beefs, remember when, you know, your partner there on, on China on the game, when he came and dunked on his rim in Connecticut. Remember that? When game and 50 were really going at it back in the day? Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's a yeah, bro. That that's that was a crazy hip hop beef for real. Oh, um, that being said, uh, whenever I'm in that tri-state area, uh, I try to make sure that you know well in advance, man. I'd love for you to come out and uh, and just meet you in person, you know. But you're doing a great job, bro, and I'm really proud of you. Oh, I appreciate that, D1. It means a lot, man. Like I said earlier, you know, keep doing what you're doing and making a difference in the world. Because when, when it goes down, we see what, how Nipsey, you know, his impact. And we see Tupac, you're right there with those two, right? And, and DMX, because DMX, in a way, you know, he was in his own lane. You know, that's why, to me, Tupac's always in top fives, top tens. DMX is never mentioned in top fives because he's in his own lane. Mm, there you go. Wow, bro. That is profound, bro. And 
I think that's applicable to me is that yeah. being in your own lane makes it hard to compare you to other people. So therefore, when they're talking about the 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 top fives and the top tens, it's almost like, yeah, like you don't even seem like you're in direct competition with those people on that list because you're in your own lane. And I like it like that, you know. Uh that means I'm always number one in my own category. Uno. Uno. Uno, it's number one right there. <laughs> uh, Underdogs and outcasts. Yep. You already know, man. And let them know where they can follow you on Instagram, Twitter. Let, let's get them all plugged in here for the socials and all that. Media, yeah. My Instagram, my Twitter, um, my my YouTube, my TikTok, all of it is D1 Music. D- D1 Music. D-E-E, the number one music on all those platforms, man. So tap in with your boy. You already know. Appreciate you, man. It means a lot. And, you know, whenever you're in the tri-state, man, I'll come out to support you, whether you got performances going on. I'd love to see you perform in person because I, I still support artists that are authentic. I'm always looking for, you know, who, who's the true MCs that are still out here right now. And, you know, we brought up another one, Karis one. He's another oh. one that people don't bring up. He's the teacher. Yes, yes, exactly. I think he's just in his own category, but he's. Yeah. One of them ones, bro. He's one of them ones. Yep. He's one of them ones, man. Keep going, man. We need more lyricists out here like you doing their thing. And they're out here. We just need to discover more. But you, you, you've made such a name for yourself and, and, you, and the impact is there, man. Thank you again for all that you do. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you. D1, take care. Stay safe. We'll right, meet bro. again soon. One love. Peace. Peace, man.